the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current-day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy caught in a landslide? No escape from reality. Open your eyes. Look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. Cause I'm easy come, easy go. Little high, little low. Any way the wind blows doesn't really matter to me. To me, Mama, just kill a man, put a gun against his head, pulled my trigger, now he's dead. Mama, 
life had just begun But now I've gone and thrown it all away Mama Didn't mean to make you cry If I'm not back again this time tomorrow Carry on, carry on As if nothing really matters Too late My time has come Sends shivers down my spine. Body's aching all the time. Goodbye, everybody. I've got to go. Gotta leave you all behind. And face the truth. Mama. Oh. I don't want to die. I sometimes wish I'd never been born at all. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Wonderful and lightning, very, very frightening me. I'm just a poor boy, nobody loves me He's just a poor boy from a poor family It's very bizarre from this monstrosity Easy come, easy go, will you let me go? Miss Mama, no, we will not let you go Let me go, Miss Mama, we will not let you go Let me go Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me, for me, for me. So you think you can stone me and spit in my eyes?
to me We're going to talk with uh, author Tina Zion, who has a book called Be Your Own Medical Intuitive, Healing Your Body and Soul, which uh, just came out this month, October of uh, 2021, and uh, she joins me by phone. Hi, Tina. Welcome to the show. Hello, Tom, and thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted. Thank you. I want to talk about a couple things real quick, and then we'll get into the book and and what it offers uh, in the way of tips and so on. But um, when you talk about um, being an intuitive, as you are and have been for practically ever, um, (laughs) what's the difference between an intuitive and a psychic? Oh, no one has, I don't think anyone has ever asked me that. Um, you know, in my own humble opinion, they are uh, the same. That uh, the word psychic has actually fallen um, on kind of into people thinking of that word as more negative. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because of the psychic hotlines or people, you know, uh, being fakes about uh, being intuitive. But uh, so the word intuitive is just, I think, become more common now. Uh, And I'm not really sure how the word psychic got um, kind of demonized a bit, but uh, to me, they're the same. Well, people uh, associate the word psychic, I think, with... um psychic phenomenon and uh, mm-hmm. ghost stories mm-hmm. and, and and you know almost as if uh, you know if someone claims to be a psychic medium that it's it's some kind of a carnival scam yes yes exactly that's what I'm talking about yes where I consider myself a medium and an intuitive and a medical intuitive so Yes, but I can understand what you're saying. Yeah. And you and others have said that, that everyone has a certain amount of uh, intuitive ability, um, mm. but don't always recognize that fact. Um, do you think everybody is intuitive? Do you think everybody has that ability if they uh, find it in themselves and, and hone it? I'm absolutely convinced that we humans are actually wired um, to be intuitive. It is a basic, basic um, way of living in the world, understanding the world. But uh, what has happened is we uh, humans have gotten away from that. You know, when we were created and we were back in the caveman days, well, before the caveman, you know, left the cave, that they would use their intuitive abilities to see if it was safe out there to go out. Is there a saber-toothed tiger going to uh, get us or whatever? 
So in my experience, we are wired to do this, but a lot of people, they don't recognize what uh, intuitive awareness is. Uh, they don't uh, understand it when they do get it. They blow it off. Uh, things like that, is, and so that really gets in their way. You know, we hear a lot, you know, when you mention, uh, you know, prehistoric times and, and cavemen <laughs> and that kind of thing, we hear the phrase, um, fight or flight, which is wired mm. into us. Is intuition really kind of at the heart of that? It's Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, if, if we weren't all intuitive... Um, and able to use it, you know, I, before COVID, I was traveling around all over the world teaching people how to do this. And Tom, the delight of my life was to see people pop open, to see, oh, is this what's happening? Oh, is this how I'm receiving it? And, and things like that. So that's, has really led me to being even more convinced that we're made to be intuitive. It's just we stopped. We get so um, involved in the physical world, we kind of lose track of that very, very subtle. In fact, I always tell people that really I, I think if I boiled all this down, I just help people notice the, the very subtle is really uh, how I would say it. And when you talk about being intuitive, is is that something that allows us to uh, better communicate and and um, interact with other people in the here and now, or is it an ability to go beyond the here and now into another astral plane or the afterlife or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. it, it is. Is that the ability to connect beyond our current existence, or um, or is there something more? Well, it is. It's so. I always say that the non-physical world is much more complicated than whatever's happening in the physical world, and so to me, to this this innate intuitive ability is. Um, interconnected here in our current life. It's interconnected with the non-physical life all around us. And so it really is that interconnectedness. And in fact, um, Heart Math Institute and the Institute of Noetic Sciences are very, very involved in um, trying to quantify, trying to research this interconnectedness that intuition is a part of. And so they're very, very involved. In fact, people that love, see, I love it when science meets what I call the ooh-wah-wah. I love that. And uh, these two organizations are very, very um, uh, known as a prestigious, you know, scientific groups. And they are finding all kinds of um, connectedness is really what they're looking at. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's interconnected with our past, with our present, with the physical, with the non-physical, all of that. I love it. I love it. More with medical intuitive and author Tina Zion straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with medical intuitive and author Tina Zion straight ahead. The book is uh, is called, it's right here in front of me, Be Your Own Medical Intuitive, Healing Your Body and Soul. When I was a kid, if I scraped my knee or my elbow or stubbed my toe, you know, my dad was one of those guys who said, walk it off. <laughs> and, and, and as I got older, I, I sort of reorganized that when my kids were growing up. And I used to say, mind over what's the matter. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but when we talk about intuition or being intuitive with regard to physical and mental health, what are we really giving ourselves there? That there's more information about who we are more information about our physical body than what most people pick up. And I'm a registered nurse and, and also a mental health counselor in private practice for 30 years. And so, uh, you know, I'm not against uh, Western medicine at all. In fact, I find this wonderfully integrative, and I really want this to intertwine with Western medicine for our physical health. But there's intuitive knowledge that we can can receive about our physical body, about our mental health. Uh, but people just don't realize it, and, and so they don't access it very much. But let me add this, too, that more and more physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, who else, uh, physical therapists, are are reaching out to me uh, to work on a one-to-one or in my workshops, and they say, you know, I just know before I open the door to my exam room, I just get a hit of information about the client that's in there. Or before I open the chart, I just, um, you know, receive information. How am I doing this? I want to do it more. So the, the Western medicine really is getting more and more open and more and more involved. At least that's my experience with it. Tina, you consider yourself an intuitive medium. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that mean, and when did you first realize that that's who you were? Well, um, again, I have absolutely no gift. I just simply grew up in a family that expected you to be intuitive. They just expected you to know who the uh, was calling when the phone rang. They expected you to see our deceased um, grandparents. It, it, we never had a class about it. No one ever talked about it. But if we say, oh, you know, Grandma Marie came to us or came to me, they would say, well, of course she did. What did she have to say? And, and so I, I did grow up in, a, in an environment that didn't negate it, that didn't pound it out of you and say it's your imagination. So, gosh, I was perceiving deceased people since I was very, very little. I can't even remember not perceiving it. But see, little kids, 
uh, they are seeing the spirit world. They are seeing the non-physical world. But then, pe- you know, parents and teachers and stuff, they just say, oh, you're imagining that. And then they really start thinking, well, I guess I'm just imagining it. So to answer your question, gosh, I don't remember ever not perceiving the non-physical world. How do we, um, as, as, as non-intuitive mediums, um, <laughs> how do we access our intuition and, and hone it and, and bring it more to the surface? Well, that's really what this book is about, that there's, there's really um, lots and lots and lots of steps. And one of the, the first things I would say is more and more people are yearning to be more intuitive. And so uh, the first thing I would say is do not work at trying to notice anything. Don't work at it because to be an intuitive is really very, very passively receiving. It's more like uh, being an antenna. An antenna doesn't run up and down the street trying to pick up signals. It just stands there. It just sits there and receives information. And so uh, the first thing I tell your, your listeners is please don't work hard at being intuitive because that will actually get in your way. Um, so, and to actually work with and start to notice the things that pop into your awareness, because a thought will pop in, or an image in our mind's eye, like down inside of our head, will pop in, and it's always that pop that I say will always, always, always be the most um, accurate and the most clear piece of information. The second after the pop, though, is our thinking mind, you know, discounting it, trying to figure it out. That it's, it's our thinking mind that tends to get in the way. But always take the pop. Like somebody, um, I just was catching up with my emails this morning, and somebody just said, oh, Tina, you're right. She said, I was sitting at the base of my tree yesterday, this tree that I love, and I asked for a a signal from the universe. And she said, I got up and was walking down the street, and there was a man uh, with one of these high-vis shirts on that says, I am here. And And I'm covered with goosebumps when I tell you this. And I just read that this morning, and she said, you know, this really works. The universe really is giving us information all the time. So I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I was hoping to be able to bring this up uh, when you and I talked today. But it's a, it's a neat example. Is there, um, is, is there a bridge between intuition and, and being intuitive and, and our instincts and trusting our instincts? Yes, in fact... People are more, uh, what do I want to say, open to calling it instincts because um, a lot of people, uh, yeah, especially people in the business world, they will call it, uh, well, my, I just listened to my gut. Well, my instincts told me. And uh, truly, uh, Heart Math Institute that I mentioned a little bit ago, 
I just heard their spokesperson say, oh, a couple of weeks ago, that in, a, in some research they did, 80% of entrepreneurs recognize that they pay attention to their intuition, that they pay attention to their instincts. So uh, to me, it is the same. It's simply a different word for it. But think about that. And these are entrepreneurs, very big, uh, successful business people. And 80% of them actually know that they listen to their intuition. They receive it, they, they accept it, and they take action on it, really. But it's accepted publicly as having good business instincts. Yes, exactly. See, it's the wording. It's the wording that often gets people, in, you know, struggles. It gets people struggles. But, but if the wording is correct, you know, it's more palpable to a lot of people to say instincts. Do you run into people that are resistant to the idea of uh, intuitive mediums that, that say, oh, that's just woohoo? Um, I guess I am very um, privileged or very, uh, I don't know, um, filled with people around me who are yearning to learn more about it. Um, I've had people say, oh, that's all made up. Uh, and I, it doesn't bother me at all because I have so many people that are yearning to be more open to it. But yeah, sure, there's always people. And, and some people will even say, that's against um, my religion. And what I would say to that is, well, don't you pray? Well, yes, I pray all the time. And I said, intuition is simply you get quiet and receive. You get quiet and listen. Do you listen while you pray? Well, no, they say. So really intuition is simply we get quiet for a minute and receive. Um, because prayer, we're always talking, 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 asking, asking, asking. But gosh, intuition is Oh, wait a minute. I just received from the universe. Which basically is potentially allowing your answers to your prayers to come through. For sure. Um, For sure. Let's talk about intuitive medicine. What does mm. that really mean, medical intuitive? Um, are, are you able to self-diagnose you know what what does that really mean for people well my other two books the first two medical intuitive books that i wrote were completely about doing medical intuition for others and my publisher kept saying she said you need to write a book about um people doing this for themselves and I kept saying oh I'm just not feeling it I'm just not feeling it for a couple of years she kept asking me to write a book um, about doing medical intuition for ourselves and finally one day I said Terry I'm feeling it I'm feeling it and that's what led to this be your own medical intuitive but how the medical part starts for people including myself is they I just became aware that one day I was having images in my mind's eye about my counseling clients. 
Um, and I was also doing um, a lot of Reiki, which is a hands-on uh, energy exchange. And I was uh, seeing inside of people's organs that were struggling. I was um, perceiving a frozen shoulder joint. I was uh, noticing their colon inside of their intestines and things like that. And, I, and it was just began spontaneously. And so we do have, and I was always, people would always say, you're, this, you are so accurate. How are you doing this? And I would always say, beats me. I don't know. Just comes. I don't know. Beats me. And I was hearing it so much. I thought, well, how am I doing this? And so we, this is not a gift that I'm the only one that has. And there are medical intuitives out there that say they're the only ones that can do this. But I'm running around all over the place and we have the ability to help each other and help ourselves in this very, very um, profound way of medical intuition. So it's kind of a long answer. I hope that wasn't too long an no, answer. But no, not at all. Um, you're the one with the expertise, Tina. <laughs> I'm, I'm just the guy who says, "Go ahead and talk some more." Um, but, but Tina, let me let me ask this: um, Are animals? more intuitive than people generally are and and mm. in addition are people with animals more likely to get in tune to their own instincts and intuition tom you have the coolest questions you really <laughs> do yeah you have some great questions that other people have not asked me in interviews so this is very neat animals uh, you know it's that's how they live is with their instincts and with their intuitive abilities. And here's, here's my simple example. When uh, Before COVID, like I said, I was traveling all over the world, so I'd be gone for a week, week and a half, two weeks in this country or that country. And I had a, the same house sitter all the time to take care of my cat. And I noticed when I would come home, my cat was still jittery. She just wasn't herself. You know, I could tell she was anxious. And I thought, well, now, why aren't I doing this for my cat? Because I know we have this ability. So when I was in another country or on the other side of the United States or wherever, um, every day I would just, and it feels like your imagination, I would just stretch out and go back home and just scratch her under her chin like she likes and and just rub on her and talk to her and things like that. When I, I kid you not, when I started doing that, and then I would come home, it was like it was no big deal that I walked into the house because she knew I had truly reached out and energetically and was there for her. And so that's my, my simplest story that, that I have really, really noticed um, that I like to, sh to share right now, she, there was a change in her. She truly knew that I sent my energy field back to the house, to her, gave her some attention. And then when I physically came home, it was no big deal. She was calm. It was uh, like I'd been there all day. <laughs> so that's my simple answer that animals are very intuitive. Oh, my goodness. Well, I just wondered if, if because, um, you know, they say that, that animals have a calming effect on people, and I just mm -hmm. wonder if there isn't in the process of relating to an animal a 
boost in intuition awareness um, within the the human part of that relationship. Oh, oh yes, that's a beautiful. Yeah, see, that's a beautiful. Well, look how my concern about um, my cat led me to wait to. Oh, wait a minute. I could use this intuitive ability to reach out and and touch my cat. Now, here's the other thing I'd tell you is that um, in my workshops, people will come up to me at a, at the break, uh, and they'll <laughs> and they'll say. I have something to tell you. I said, sure, tell me. And they'll say, I have no intentions of working with people. I took, I'm taking your, your course or I'm reading your books to work with animals. And I said, it's exactly the same. It's the same. And I said, I am absolutely fine with you being here to learn how to interconnect with, with animals more. So, so see, it's bringing that out. Animal people are really getting more attuned. Uh, to this deeper level of interconnectedness, really. Again, the book is called Be Your Own Medical Intuitive, Healing Your Body and Soul. And you give tips on, on basically how to do that in the book. What, what are some of the tips to um, becoming your own medical intuitive? Well, I, I have all kinds of tips, but you know what? I also have... Um, I've noticed over the years that there are, uh, I call them eight categories of uh, causes of illness. And so it's a full of action-packed steps, too, to actually work with your physical body, work with the, the energy body that is our aliveness. So one of the tips, one of the primary tips I would tell your listeners this will never, ever, ever, ever stop feeling like we imagined it. It will never, it will always, always feel like you just dreamed it up. Whatever you're receiving, whatever you're doing intuitively. Because when I was perceiving deceased people when I was, I don't know, four or five years old, it I thought, oh, you know, I'm just imagining it. And people still, they discount the information, not just deceased people, but intuitive information, they think, oh, I just dreamed that up. Oh, yeah, it popped into my mind, but yeah, that's just my imagination. And that's how they discount themselves. That's how they dismiss it and and forget about it. It's, oh, I just dreamed that up. Please, if people, if your listeners can get over this hump, that it will always, always, always feel like you just imagined it. Because mostly... It's information, wisdom coming from a, a non-physical um, existence. And so it will always feel like imagination. That's my, my best tip of all. And my other tip is always take the pop. If something pops in out of nowhere, and we even use that term, oh, I don't know, it just popped in my head out of nowhere, that is intuitive information and it will almost always be um, the most profound, the clearest, things like that. Tina, when we first started talking um, a little bit ago, I kind of skipped over the in the introduction all of your credentials because I was afraid if I talked about all of your credentialing in <laughs> nursing and mental health and all the different places that you've, um, you know, taught. Um, 
mm. intuitive uh, medicine and, and other related topics in the UK, Europe, New Zealand. Um, it, I was afraid we wouldn't have much time to talk. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you, about the book that we uh, have mentioned mm-hmm. several times during our conversation, um, and, and about your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Oh, sure, I do. And it's real simple. It's simply my name. It's tinazion.com. So that's real easy. And my email is tina at tinazion.com. It's my email address. So I work, you know, I work with people in groups and workshops, and but also uh, private mentoring sessions because I love doing this. I love helping people realize their intuition. Well, Tina, I it's been a real pleasure and an honor to meet you and get to know you a little bit and and to talk about this with you. And I appreciate you spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. Um, Thank you for, for doing this, and and what's next for Tina? Well, I'm, um, that's a good question. You have the best questions, I tell you. Um, I'm considering, just beginning to consider about teaching instructors how to teach other people. So that's kind of a direction I'll be heading in the future, because I run around, you know, like I said, all over the place, teaching people how to be more intuitive for themselves, but also to be practitioners for other people. But now I've been thinking, oh, maybe I need to teach people how to teach people how to do this. So that's kind of just started uh, turning that around in my head. Well, it started to come in intuitively uh, just a few weeks ago, actually. My guest is uh, intuitive medium Tina Zion. She is the author of, of several books on the, on the subject, including the one we've been talking about today, Be Your Own Medical Intuitive, Healing Your Body and Soul by Tina Zion. Tina, thanks again, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, and you're just a blessing to uh, have this talk with. Thank you. And I don't say that very often, but this was very, this <laughs> well, was very special. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm humbled. Well, I mean it. All right. Well, take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Right. Again, Tina Zion, author of uh, Be Your Own Medical Intuitive, Healing Your Body and Soul. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs>
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Armchair politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you're invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, my guest this hour is a New York Times best-selling author whose uh, trilogy uh, about uh, Tristan Strong is uh, has been published under the Rick Riordan uh, presents imprint and uh, he's been on the show before it seems like the last time um, that I talked to him Tristan Strong had uh, just destroyed the world but um, <laughs> but Tristan Strong is back and so is the author Kwame Mbalia Kwame welcome back it's good to have you on the show again thanks for having me back I really appreciate it especially after you know Tristan destroyed the world and everything well, yeah, he started out by punching a hole in the sky in book one. And now the new book, which is the finale in the trilogy, is Tristan Strong Keeps Punching. What is it, it, is. What, and, uh, what is it with Tristan and all this punching and destruction? Uh, you know, there's <laughs> there are a few different reasons for, for it. Um I think I think one that I'm kind of um, musing about right now, actually, is the uh, this idea that you know when you're in in middle school or, or when you're of the age that uh, the 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 reading audience the reading audiences that we're targeting um, a mistake or you know um, something going wrong feels like just the absolute end of the world, right? Like, it, it felt like back then, like, right. oh, life was over, that's it, I've got to move to Siberia, you know, if, if if I made a mistake or did something wrong or got embarrassed. And so there's partly a little bit of, of uh, dramatization there, but also um, there's something I find really uh, fascinating about the analogy of boxing and life and how you know, we're always going to face obstacles or opponents. And in boxing, you know, your opponent is right there in front of you. And, you know, sometimes you might get knocked down, you might get punched, but the only thing you can do is get back up and keep punching. Well, Kwame, the um, the story, the character Tristan Strong, now you're, you've wrapped up the trilogy and you're starting another series, but I want to talk a little bit about about the locations because this uh, book kind of uh, starts out in New Orleans and ends up in Chicago. Um, how important are these locations to Tristan's story? Um, they're, they're important. And, and you know what? Not only to Tristan's story, but kind of, you know, the story of, of uh, African-Americans in this, in this country as well. Each location and uh i'm happy to say that we had some delightful in paper maps on the interior cover of the book that shows tristan's journey you know each of these locations um holds historical significance um within african-american history whether it's you know new orleans or vicksburg or memphis or chicago or st louis you know there's this you know journey of traveling north and this idea um, 
that, that Tristan is on this journey home. And it almost, you know, it, it mimics and resembles in many cases, you know, uh, this period in history of the early 20th century called the Great Migration, where African-Americans sought opportunity moving north, moving west, moving towards different locations from uh, where they might have uh, been, you know, in the, the southern or in the southern Atlantic seaboard. And so Tristan's journey, it's fun, it's full of adventure and, fan- and, and fantasy, but there's also this underpinning of history that I love to put in my books as well. Yeah, um, Kwame, the, um, I, as I, I was looking at those maps that you talked about on the inside cover of the book, and I couldn't, I, my first thought was jazz musicians mm-hmm. following, mm-hmm. following that same path that you're talking about, you know, as jazz moved from New Orleans up to the north, basically following the Mississippi River. Yeah, and it's I, I would I would even expand that from jazz, and I would say culture in general, right? Like you carry these bits of culture; they're almost right. like you know seeds getting getting transported, and they may drop in different locations and sprout, and then they kind of take on their own you know individuality while still holding on to you know the roots of which they come from. So you talk about jazz. I talk about, you know, art, whether it's photography or painting or even literature and how some of, you know, the stories migrate and travel as the people who carry them travel as well. Yeah, but it's it's just funny as I was looking at that map and I, and I couldn't help thinking, you know, it's 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 not a mistake that St. Louis and Memphis and Chicago were big jazz cities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, it's, you know, one, you know, being off of the, the Mississippi being that, you know, incredible source of, of transportation, you know, and, and uh, uh, the major cities sprouting up off of that. But, yeah, you know, the musicians carrying that bit of, uh, of soul, of funk, of jazz up there with them up north as they're looking for new audiences and new opportunities to play. And was it? Your intention to put Tristan on that path? You know, it was, because on book one, we start off in Chicago. We, we spend a brief chapter in Chicago, and then we head south. And there's this, you know, um, this idea of, of children going back and reconnecting with their grandparents and going to spend the summers with, you know, family and relatives, one, to expose them to new ideas, and two, to give the parents a break, you know, let them relax a little bit. And then here in the inverse, in book three, we're traveling back home. And I think that's the, the key concept there of finding our way home from wherever we've gone, from whatever lessons we've learned and experiences we've gathered. It was intentional to have Tristan move back home uh, with the lessons that he's learned from the time spent with his grandparents. And this is, um, there's a certain amount of, what, I'm not sure whether to call it magic. Would you call it magic? I, I would. You know, there are uh, fantastical creatures. I mean, certainly a giant uh, shadow crow would certainly turn some heads in, in, in our world. Um but the ability to bring stories to life, um, there's some, some magic in there, as well as 
the ability to see the stories that make up our world. That's definitely magical to see the words written by people who have come before us that kind of uh, have constructed the current world that we're living in and how some of those stories are evident and some of them may be buried a little bit that we have to dig for. But the the thing is, uh, is um, as much a, a learning adventure as it is um, an action adventure. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a, a nice mix of both because one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to, you know, I don't want to write a lecture, you know, I don't want to <laughs> present, you know, dry, boring material to these young readers, you know, it's, it's entertainment, it's fun, you know, it, it's scary at times, it's funny at times. I like to say that just as, you know, for young children, we bury the medicine in something sweet, you know, a little spoonful of honey or something. In my books, you get a little bit of history sprinkled in, and you don't realize you're learning until you close the book and you've stepped away for a little bit. Now, you had to do a little bit of research um, in putting this book together, and, and part of what makes this book appealing, and one of the things that made it appealing to the Rick Riordan imprint is is the fact that you draw on some African-American folk tales and West African gods. Um, how did you know that's where you wanted to go, and how, did you, how do you research those things? Well, I knew that's where I wanted to go because I've always wanted to tell a story that involved those characters I grew up reading and listening to. You know, my parents, uh, me and three siblings, there were four of us, we would be in a, a bedroom um, and, you know, it's time to go to sleep. And you know that trying to put a group of kids and make them go to sleep at the same time, it's, it's a challenge, uh, to say the least. And so my parents would play a Nazi tale or John Henry folktales on a cassette player, and we would listen to these stories uh, as, as we would fall asleep. And so I always wanted to, to tell those stories from my childhood to the new generation, you know, to my kids that are the same age as I was when I first heard them. And so, you know, to, but in order to tell the story, you have to find them. And a lot of these stories, you know, they could be regional. They could be something, you know, somebody's grandmother told, you know, uh, the younger generation of cousins, and it kind of spread from there, or your uncle on the back porch, or, you know, maybe a local author just wrote, you know, transcribed some local regional stories. And so it's, to find them, you really have to listen. Um, it's as much listening as it is reading. And then it, uh, you know, I have to shout out one of my favorite group of people out there, and that's, you know, my librarians. You know, your, your local librarians, they helped me so much, and, and you know, and, and they love to do it. They love, you know, uh, helping with research and, and looking for new materials along similar concept lines. And so, uh, re listen, research, I could do that. That's almost as fun as writing the story, you know, because research <laughs> for me in dealing with, with folktales is reading and discovering new stories, and that's just, that's just fascinating. Well, and... and you know, research is one of those things. If if you don't mind doing it, you are going to fall in love with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. More with author Kwame Mbalia. Straight in. <laughs> 
Tom Sumner Program.com. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 